Hello, I'm Dan Aykroyd, and welcome to this fine motion picture emporium. It's nice to know you're here tonight, rather than at home shoving cheap little plastic cartridges into cheap imported video systems that keep you and your family hostage in your own home or apartment. Now, let's face it, big screen entertainment is what it's all about. We've enjoyed it for years. Movies are great. There's nothing like a good movie, or even a bad one for that matter. Go. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. I am Joe Spiegel, and sitting across from me is... Mike Sutherland. Hey, how's it going there, buddy? Let's go and fly, buddy. <laughs> News and weather on the tabs. All right. So, yes, I'm Joe Spiegel, and, of course, you could find me or follow me on Twitter at JoeSpiegel underscore Joe. Spell your name. Not everybody knows. Everybody. Now I gotta spell my fucking name. Yeah, but see the thing is, is if people don't know how to spell your name, they're like, hey, you can find me on the Twitter, and then they they type in spy gel, like they'll type it in S P I G E L J O E. No, you don't need the S P E I G L E underscore underscore Joe. Yeah, all one word. J O E. And mine, I'm Mike Sutherland, and you can find me at. M P S M Mike P Paul Sutherland S fifty one fifty on the Twitter M P S fifty one fifty. So you got a little rant, uh, huh? Huh? Fuck face. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, in a minute. What? what yeah. Huh? Huh? I'll uh, I'll rant after we get the fucking oh, okay, intro. Well, okay. Well. Okay. Hey, look here. All right. Well, you 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 do you do the intro. All and, right. Well, dude, I'd appreciate it if you quit splitting things up. I told you I would do the intro after we we. Do I would? I told you we would do the. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I did an intro segue. You did. I did. I, I no. I told you I'd do my rant after we do the intro. All right. So this is our split episode. <laughs> you pulled a fast one on me, there, buddy. <laughs> and then we're gonna talk about that film. We're gonna talk about my flick of the week, which is going to be the split. The, what a great personality. The low-budget independent film called Cardboard Boxer. And mine will be Extraordinary Tales, the animated Edgar Allan Poe series. It's not a series, it's a film. The, the animated five-story short film. The one with Guillermo? Yeah. You talked about it last week. No, I didn't. Dude, it's, I just listened to it on the way up here. I didn't talk about the whole thing last week. I talked about a little bit of it. Okay, all right. But I talked about the Romancing the Stone, and I finished my Romancing the Stone... And I'm going to tell you this right now, that my theory is kind of true, uh-huh. because she has in her hands at the beginning of the story a finished novel. Uh-huh. Doesn't necessarily mean that the novel that she was she had just finished was the one she was bringing to her editor, uh-huh. but she brings this novel to her editor, and we as she's talking, and then this whole adventure happens, and then at the end, her editor is reading the novel, right? Yeah. And, of course, you know, at the beginning, she's- not successful, and now she's a successful, rich. It's kind of weird how you know she's not a successful author, and now she's a successful author after this whole thing. Yeah, which is complete bullshit. So it's a whole the whole thing happened, but it was a it was a, a reimagining of everything that happened in the movie. Yeah, her dream of romancing the stone. Yeah, so she met this Jack guy Colton, and all this. So that whole thing happened except for like the most fantastic parts of it she goes down to cartagena to see her sister meets this guy that's what it is yeah so at the end of the movie she turns in this novel 
and her editor is crying, just like at the beginning of the movie where she's crying. It's like this is the best. It's the best ever. It's the best <laughs> thing I've ever written. And that's that's my argument is that the beginning and the ending are is is the reality. But when she wakes up and looks at the time, that's when the fantasy starts. Yeah. There we go. She was rich. Yeah, she was a wealthy novelist living in fucking West. She had a fucking yacht on Fifth Avenue. That wasn't her yacht. That was Jack's yacht. Oh, yeah, but. But that's not the point. The point is, is that all of a sudden she's, everybody knows her. Yeah. Whereas before, in the beginning of the movie, nobody knew her. Yeah. Right? And she's signing autographs and all this other bullshit. So whatever. Anyways. <laughs> I already did my intro. Take it away. You, I guess we could take it away. You didn't say take it away. Uh, I'll take Guillermo. it away. I'll take it away, Johnny. Okay. So. Uh, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. <laughs> Meanwhile, all right. So my rant, my rant. I'm gonna keep it short and sweet. I'm gonna try to keep it. I'm gonna keep it as short and sweet as Rick and Morty. Um, I am so done with fucking TV. I just whatever. I can't stand what this culture has come has become for at least viewing pleasure. Yeah, we have millions of hours of TV and entertainment. Millions. Yeah. And yet the only fucking thing that you can watch are whatever the latest latest TV shows and releases are up until, you know, with the exception of a few things, it's like 15 years. It's like they have a 15-year swing. So if you want to watch cartoons from whatever, if you want to watch Invader Zim, good luck, it's not on. If you want to, But you can watch Cat Dog. If you want to watch uh, anything from classic Boomerang, you know, and and before Boomerang was bought by Cartoon Network, uh-huh. I'm gonna look it up here. Classic Boomerang TV. All right. <clears throat> so and now what they do is they run Be Cool Scooby Doo. Okay. They used to run. They run Peanuts, Sonic Boom. They run. This is on Boomerang, by the way. The Amazing World of Gumball, which premiered in 2014. Uh-huh. Boomerang is supposed to be a classic. You know, they run, they still do Courage and Dexter's Lab and Foster's Home, but that's still, Foster's Home premiered in 2012. Yeah. Okay. Um, The Powerpuff Girls, the new Powerpuff Girls. Which I heard is horrible. It's not horrible, but it's not, they they run the Flintstones, Tom and Jerry, Captain Planet and the Planeteers, which did not premiere in 2005. That premiered way back in the 90s. The Tom and Jerry comedy show, which is awful. They do some Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies. They do Scooby-Doo. But they do Teen Titans, and they do Pokemon. And and then that's that's really about it. Once in a while, they do Merry Melodies and whatever else. But <clears throat> this is all... this that, that isn't Boomerang. That isn't, you know, what it, what it was for. Boomerang, bringing it all back to you. That's what it was all about. Yeah. Not new fucking shows. So what they do is they just run repeats of all their shows on Boomerang, with the exception of Amazing World of Gumball. So but they turned it into FXX. Yeah. Or MTV. Yeah. I mean, here I'm gonna I'm trying to find anything that they had. Like they they used to run Two Stupid Dogs, The Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo, 
The Addams Family, The Adventures of Gulliver, The Amazing Chan and the Chan Clan, Arabian Nights, which was shown on Banana Splits, Around the World in 79 Days, Astro and the Space Mutts, Adam Ant, The Banana Splits, Birdman and the Galaxy Trio, Butch Cassidy, Captain Caveman and the Teen Angels, Captain Planet, Casper and the Angels, Chuck Norris Karate Commandos, all these things that I've been looking for for a long, long time, Dastardly and Muttley and their flying machines, <laughs> Dragon's Lair, Droopy, Dino Mutt Dog Wonder, Fang Face, Fantastic Four, Frankenstein Jr. and the Impossibles, the Gary Coleman Show, Godzilla, all, all these things. But they don't show that stuff anymore. I don't know why. I really want them to bring back all of these old cartoons because it would be so much better than, than the four or five or six different shows that they show repeatedly, you know, over these hour, two-hour blocks, and it just gets fucking dumb. The Tex Avery show would be great. I don't understand why they are doing this. Um, my assumption is that... Because we're in the society of new, 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 they want to pump out the new shit more than above anything else. Thundercats, Challenge of the Super... They've had, they used to have fucking Baby Huey on, which was shown on Casper and Friends. I mean, come on! These are... This is fucking comedy... Th these are cartoon gold right now, and they refuse to do this. The Monsters, Mr. Peabody and Sherman, you know, Bullwinkle, the world of Commander McBrag. The only thing I could think is that they... The Ant and Aardvark? They... They get lower ratings because they're they're quote unquote old stuff, and no, they don't no they don't get oh it's not that because this is this is all stuff people want to watch. Scoobarang, every show Scooby Doo cartoon and movie produced to date, they actually did that. Tunes and tights, where title characters don't wear pants. Dude, I I don't know. I I the only thing I could think is that they just new shit. Yeah, all they do is want to pump out this new shit, and then they pimp it until you're blue in the face, and then they run it for a season or two, and then they show every single episode 156,000 times. I just don't understand it. It's and it's not just this. Yeah, see, and I'm not the only one. Over the years, Boomerang TV channels programming turned from the old shows it was created for to, yeah, so there was a petition for this. Um, the petition is for Turner to understand that people want the old shows to return to Boomerang more than the new shows. This is a list of shows that we want to return. And it's not just this. I mean, there are tons of things, but most of the ones that are in this list are all Hanna-Barbera stuff, which they show a ton of Hanna-Barbera. Well, what about, what about the Ruby Spears stuff? You know, everything that was released in the 80s by Ruby Spears, you know, which is Rubik. The Amazing Cube or, you know, Saturday Super K with Donkey Kong and Cubert and all this other stuff. I'm sorry, but it's it's garbage. And they should know better. I don't know why. I don't know why. Cartoon Brew had an interesting take on this. So let's see what Cartoon Brew have to say. According to Turner Broadcasting President Gerhard Zeiler, or Zeiler, oh, Gerhard, and Cartoon Network president Christina Miller, who made the announcement jointly, Boomerang will continue to air Tom and Jerry Looney Tunes Powerpuff, but will add newly acquired contemporary series produced by studios around the world. The network will rebrand its on-air environment with new graphics, which mimics the style of Cartoon Network's logo, which is bullshit. Boomerang has always been a timeless favorite with multi-generational appeal. 
We see this as a unique opportunity to not only redefine the family co-viewing experience, but to grow and leverage our overall global kids' portfolio and position it across all platforms in conjunction with Cartoon Network. Do you know what she just said there? Absolutely fucking nothing. Yeah. It's a unique opportunity to redefine the family co-viewing experience. Adults want the old shit. So if you want to redefine the family co-viewing experience, allow show show the kids that are watching this stuff with the adults what the adults had growing up. Not not this we want to position it across all platforms and synesis and synergy and blah blah blah. You're fucking garbage bullshit. More like they want the adults to conform to what they're already conforming the kids to, which is new, new, new. Right. Because if the adults are on board with the new, new, new shit, then they're also, they're also, the, you know, they're the main consumers, right? Because they're the ones with the money. So they'll, they'll keep buying the new products when they keep coming out, just like with the new iPhones and whatever else. New, new, new. Yep. I think that's a great idea. I've actually been thinking of that myself, especially with new thing for Boomerang, and if not being for Cartoon Cartoon and Hanna-Barbera reruns, Adult Swim should be taking off main CN channel and made its own channel. Oh, please stop. There is not, there is, I I think it would be great if they did that and gave Adult Swim their own channel, but again. What doesn't make sense is, look, I don't know how it all works, but when you have cable companies that have over half of their channels, Half of their hundreds of channels are advertising channels. Why can't there be a boomerang channel that's actually what are you talking about? Classic. You're talking about how they just like they, they change their format and everything, right? So why can't they? What, just... What do you mean by advertising channels? You know, like uh, on cable, there's just a shitload of that channels has nothing that... to do with fucking with, with the network. That's that's a cable thing. They do that on purpose. They're doubling up on the money. So what you're spending for your cable. And what they're taking in for these private channels, they don't give you any rebates. They don't. Do, they don't do nothing to give you a discount. And in fact, they they try to sell you fear-based advertising to keep you with the company. Oh, if you do this, you may lose this. Okay, so what? Whoop de doo! I lose my cable. Oh, big fucking deal. I mean, you mean that I I won't be able to watch my Slingbox or my Roku? Or any of these other things where I can get fucking a la carte programming, but I have to buy your bullshit all-in-one packages, or I have to get your cable and your fucking phone and your internet all-in-one to quote-unquote save money? Okay, Fuck you. What I'm trying to get at is if, if the, the actual cable <laughs> network can pump out all of these these advertising channels with infomercials and yada, yada, but yada. But they don't. They, they, they what, don't do that. Can I finish? Why can't the networks have multiple cha- release multiple channels and give people what they want. Give them the Boomerang Classic channel and then have the Contemporary channel, you know. Because it's all controlled. It's all controlled. Boomerang is owned by Warner Brothers, Time Warner, and Turner. So they release what they want to release. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. They have they they have no clue what we actually want to watch. They just do this. Oh, well, you know, fucking The Adventures of Gumball, which is actually a pretty funny show. but we the numbers are up on that, so let's give them more. Okay, no, I don't need that. <laughs> you know, I, I I yearn for the days when we had the independent channels, like yeah. the independent USA channel, which is not owned by some conglomerate, yeah. or the independent TBS channels, or you know, the the list goes on and on. The independent Cartoon Network, it's bullshit. All we're getting is just fucking corporate garbage. 
and I'm so done with it. And Netflix is becoming that way too. Didn't the same thing happen to Turner Classic Movies? Turner is owned by Warner Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. There's more than... There's, I'm not the only one. Boomerang is su- simply not supposed to change. After all, its motto is it's all coming back to you. Boomerang is supposed to be the channel you could always turn to whenever you're unhappy with Cartoon Network. The style's been consistent to when it was just a block on Cartoon Network. It was a time capsule since every other TV channel simply changed every five years to stay hip and trendy. And that's exactly what they're doing. It stayed, if it stayed the same over 14 years, it needed to change. But why did it need to change? I Give us some fucking good stuff. Give us the classic cartoons that you have in your vaults because I can't find them anywhere. In fact, I'm going to start going to Amazon and finding all these classic cartoons and seeing if they're actually there, like Turbo Team. Ha! Can't even find fucking Turbo Team. But no, what do I get? Teen Titans Season 2, Gladiator 2000 Teen Warrior Pack. What the fuck? <laughs> Zumba Dance, Turbo Teen Sugar High, Teen Titans TV... All right. Anyways, that's that's my rant. I'm just tired of this. I'm tired of all the garbage. You know what Louis C.K. would tell you? You know exactly what he'd say. What? Start your own fucking network. Yeah. Do it the way you want I'm to do it. I'm going to. So that, fuck him. That's what he would say. All right. So <laughs> like you complain about your cell phone, we'll fucking make your own goddamn network. <laughs> all right. All right. So Mike and I went and saw the film Split, directed, of course, written, directed, produced by M. Night Shyamalan. Um, this is his, uh, his second in a row film that has been critically praised. Uh, he did a film that came out at the end of 2015 called The Visit that we, we did not go see because, you know, there was other things that were more interesting. And besides the fact that his track record just made us think that it wasn't going to be anything special anyway. Right. So anyway, I still haven't seen it. I've looked for it, but it's not on the you know, streaming devices, but I've wanted to see The Visit just to see how it is. But apparently... A lot of people liked it, and they had a really good twist with it. So I will check it out soon. But it does seem like Shyamalan is on a... An, Shyamalan. Yeah. No. It seems like he's on a uh, an upward slide. Is that what you would call it? Can you, you slide can't upward? You can really slide upward, but okay. <laughs> if you were in space, you could slide in the direction you want. Um, yeah, he, anyway, he's on his way back up. All right, and look, I'm glad for that because... There's, it's been a very long time since the name M. Night Shyamalan has meant anything to a movie fan like me or to a lot of other people. You know, when in the, in the mid, all the way through to like the mid 2000s, when you heard that M. Night Shyamalan was going to be, you know, making a new movie, you were interested. You're like, oh shit, what's he got next? What, 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 what other kind of wacky idea is going to come out of his head, right? And then, regard, look, whether it be from pressure or whatever. His quality just went down. All right. And, you know, it is what it is. But I'm glad to see that he is on an upward, you know, tick. And with Split, we both walked out of this movie really liking it. It was, I mean, look, we saw the trailers for it and it looked in, it looked like it was going to be stupid, you know, through it, like a stupid thriller, but it was going to be held together by the performance of James McAvoy because you could just tell in the trailers that he was just letting loose with it right mm-hmm. but i didn't know how much i still my expectations besides mcavoy were going to be low because hey <laughs> you know what it would what it would he release what he released you know seven years ago or yeah seven eight years ago he released the happening and then and then he also released the last airbender okay so right. there you go 
what really bugs me about this movie, and I put this in my review, and I, I, I think I needed to say it on this uh, on this review on this podcast as well, is that I wish I wish that I hadn't known that is this out of my bag? No, just leave it there. I wish Fucking I had known touchy feely bullshit. <laughs> I wish I had known or not known anything about this movie being connected to another one of Shyamalan's films. It because the whole time we were watching this movie, I kept looking for connections. And it would have been awesome. It would have been so awesome because I, I'm a huge fan of Unbreakable. Okay, look, if you're listening to this podcast now, there's no way that you haven't heard that this movie's connected to Unbreakable. I ain't gonna I don't maybe we'll talk about the ending, but Regardless, everyone who listens to any kind of media or watch, you know, attempts any, goes on any kind of social media or anything knows that this movie is connected to Unbreakable in some way or another. So all I knew is that it was connected in some way because they said, oh, because of this amazing plot twist, uh, Unbreakable sequel is now in effect. Right. And I'm like, oh, well, oh, thanks a lot, fucking assholes. Get swifty. Because first it was just saying there was this amazing twist at the end. Right. Like, oh, OK, well, great. Shyamalan had another cool twist at one of his movies. All right. But then, then they said, oh, Unbreakable Now is in effect. And I'm like, fuck you guys, man. Did you really? You know, and, and I'm, I, I purposely was trying to avoid, like, you know, all that shit. Because if I see anything blip up that's going to be like a spoiler, I, I, I quickly look away from it, like with Walking Dead or Game of Thrones or anything. And this shit didn't even give you a chance to look away. You know, it, it didn't give you a fucking, oh, it's like, oh, because this movie's been out for a week. Oh, it, that means everyone must have already seen it, right? No, not everyone's fucking seen the movie. You know, and look, we hadn't really planned on seeing it anyway, but luckily, you know what? It felt, you know, all the other movies, there was nothing out this week that was worth seeing. So we went and saw Split, and I don't regret seeing it. I'm really glad we saw it because it was awesome. But, but I just wonder how much, how different my, my outlook on the film would have been, my first impression on the film would have been if I hadn't known there was any connection. And then we're watching the movie. And then at the end of the movie, at the end of the film, that music from Unbreakable starts playing, and you're like, "What the fuck?" Right? And then, and then you have the scene in the diner, and it would have been awesome. It would have been like, "Oh, you know," because I love Unbreakable, but oh, <laughs> but yeah, fuck it, man. It, it 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 is what it is. All right, this, this day and age, you, it's hard for any secrets to make it through. I do give props to to Shyamalan for for not getting it released that this was connected to Unbreakable until after the movie had actually came out because from what I read um, when he did test screenings for the movie he kept that diner scene out on oh, purpose okay. yeah because he didn't want it getting out and I give him props for that because he could have been you know doing the I don't want I don't know who I can compare him to you know director wise but he could have done the, the, the sellout thing you know where oh we've got to let him know something so that you know it'll sell more tickets right mm-hmm. but he didn't do that so I give him I give him major props for that but that's the thing. I, I just, I would like to go back. I think, well, look, I, I probably end up buying this movie. I'll probably end up buying it when it comes out on video and I'll watch it again. And then that way I have no expectations. So maybe I can see it in a different light. Because like I said, I keep thinking of unbreakable connections when I'm trying to watch the movie. Because you, know, you get to that point in the movie where where the psychiatrist, um, you know, uh, McAvoy's psychiatrist played by uh, Betty Buckley, uh, is... She starts talking about, you know, multiple personalities and um, how they can change their uh, their their body chemistry and stuff, right? You know, uh, 
the way she was making it sound, because I already knew there was a connection to Unbreakable, I was already like, oh, well, this isn't this movie. This isn't, this isn't what, you know, it's just its own thing where it's, it just has an idea, you know, like, oh, well, what if this is like the next stage and, and someone having multiple personality disorder? No, instead, I already know it's going to be another superhero movie, right? Or supervillain, because he turns out to be a supervillain, right? Or, and, and, and a realistic supervillain for the most part. Right. You know, that was the point of Unbreakable was it was trying to put you in 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 a world where there were superheroes, but it was realistic and it wasn't overblown. You know, it wasn't the fucking, you know, the spandex comic booky shit. Instead, it was, it was, yeah, it was, you've seen Unbreakable, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but there was something that I have read on a couple of blogs and this, this pisses me off. This, what really pisses me off is. There are people that actually have what's called DAID, which is, you know, the, the, forgive me. Dual personalities. Yeah, It's yeah. basically <coughs> uh, schizophrenia. Yeah. And they're all, oh, this movie's just trying to exploit that condition to make a, a, a you know, a movie about a murderer or whatever, right? And well, <coughs> there was a couple of comment blogs feeds that I really wanted to comment on. Like, you know, it, it, I think it's selfish of you to use your condition to try to push push you know what's going on with you and other people that have a similar condition like yourself because of a movie when you didn't even pay attention to the fucking movie the movie's not exploiting multiple personality disorder the movie is trying to create a next level of supervillain because it's in the unbreakable universe <coughs> so the movie is is about superheroes and supervillains it's not about oh people with multiple personality disorder are fucking crazy and can and are gonna, you know, start killing people and shit like that. That that wasn't the purpose of this movie at all. But yet, they had to push that. You know, it was like the the, the joint twins minus Lexia thing from from South Park or something. You know, right? And look, I'm sorry that you have that condition. I, I really am, and and I'm pretty sure the way it was portrayed in the movie is not like how you have it in real life. That 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 that, that makes the point even more is that the movie wasn't doing that, but you thought it was because you weren't paying attention. Because you were already ready to jump down its throat because it was using something attributed to your condition for its own agenda, right? So, regardless, I that bugs me. But I decided to leave it alone because this, this is one feed, man, where this girl, she went into this rant that was so long and she kept explaining herself. And then someone else would say something and then she would go into another long multi-feed rant explaining herself again and feeling sorry for herself. And finally, I just got to the point where, you know what? I'm not, I don't, I don't give a fuck. I don't care. I'm not even going to touch it. Nope. Fuck them. Cause you're not going to be able to convince a person like that anyways. So leave it alone. My problem, I have very little problems with this movie, but here is my major problem with the plot holes. Uh -huh. First and foremost, they have cell phones. Yeah. The cell phones have trackers on them. Yeah. The father ended up, you know, in another town, right? His car is missing, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> However, when when it's all said and done, no trackers were used to find where the cell phone's last locations were, which would have been the zoo. Yeah. Okay. Spoiler. <laughs> Secondly, the psychiatrist or the therapist, whatever she is, if she, and you know this as much as I do, if she detects any hint of problems, she is obligated- By law. By law to contact 
any agency that she needs to contact. Yeah. And the second time, well, the first time, she noticed a problem. Yeah. And you, we, but I mean, you could see the fear in her face. Yeah. So instead of, instead of contacting any of the local agencies, she monitors him and then follows him. Yeah. And then instead of calling somebody when she gets to wherever he works at, you know, yeah, she just walks in. Pretty much. So, again, those are my big problems. Convenience of plot. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, what you said was if the if the person's not given any background, they're pretty much dead meat. Yeah. I mean, there's three girls, three captives, right? Right. One gets this backstory of her being a little kid going hunting with her dad and her uncle. And her uncle wants to, uh, when the dad's asleep in the tent, the uncle wants to play naked animals in the forest, you know, quote unquote. Yeah, that that was pretty disturbing. That was, dude, that fucking pissed I saw me. you, like, sitting there just cringing. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, just seeing that fucking, and I like that actor, because I've seen him in other things. Uh, Brad William Hankey, who I guess yeah. he played for the Broncos for a season. But, right. Um, he's a good actor. I've seen him on, you know, Orange is the New Black. And um, he, he did a really good job playing the role, because at first... You couldn't tell if he was a bad guy or not, right? And then all of a sudden, when he did that thing in the in the woods, you you knew it was like fuck, man, because I knew it had to be leading to something. I just didn't know what it was going to lead to, right? You know, and it went that route. Yeah, and you and look again. I'm not a fan of Shyamalan's movies. Mm-hmm. I never have been. I've seen three of them, and Sixth Sense. I've seen Unbreakable, which I truly liked. Yeah, and this one, and I was dreading seeing this one again. It's that whole. I don't want to see it because of the the movies that he's made since Unbreakable, uh-huh. which I'm I just have no interest in seeing. But after watching Split, I was I was truly impressed with McAvoy. Yeah, you know um, him having to go through all of these characters and voices. And, yeah, and but that's I don't and that's the thing is I don't really have any issues with. With this movie, save for the fact... Well, here's the other plot hole. The guy that found the girl in the cage at the end, or in the jail, right? So, during the day, nobody else goes down into these halls. Nobody else has access. But at the end of the movie, when everything was happening, and McAvoy's character escapes, he goes down, this dude goes down to have a smoke. Maybe because that part wasn't ever used but the guy obviously used it to have a smoke break because he look i, I mean smokers, by mcavoy i know but smokers are habitual yeah meaning that they will go to the same place to smoke almost every time yeah you know and this guy obviously if he's a smoker goes to this place almost every time yeah so if and everybody knows that he's the maintenance guy so he has an apartment, I guess, if you want to call it that. He's full-time maintenance. As he said, you know, they gave him a, a place to stay. Yeah. Which turned into four or five different rooms Yeah, all yeah. of a sudden. It looked like he might have built them, maybe, the way that the, they were, you know, the doors were, were made. Right. But, again, I mean, wouldn't the owners of the zoo or at least management, ha- you know, look, Living in a zoo, I have no clue about. Yeah. But those are maintenance hallways. Those pipes. And when she was being escorted out, obviously, I mean, there was she was being escorted through um, a hospital area or at least a, a holding area for the animals to be checked, a veterinary area. Yeah. 
and which wasn't that far away from where she was being held prisoner. Yeah. And yet nothing ever came of it. When the girls were running down the hallway, nobody saw him. When he's yelling, nobody heard him. Here's my only guess with that. My my only guess, I, I, like maybe a deleted scene or something like that, where you find out that maybe they, it has new maintenance area somewhere else and he just lives there, but it's now not used anymore. That's the only thing I could think of. That's That would be a plausible explanation, but it's a zoo. They don't just not use areas of the zoo. They If there's an unused area of the zoo, it's, it's shut down, it's blocked off. Mm-hmm. You can't get in, you can't get out. Obviously, this is not a shut-down area of the zoo. If he's able to come and go as he pleases, and the zoo has given him living space there, that's my problem. That Those are the three big problems that I have with this movie, which, yeah, I mean, they're understandably huge holes to kind of work through, but... That's not the first Shyamalan movie that had to do that. It, right. Uh, a, another good example of that is Signs. Um, Signs, the movie is so well-acted and has so 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 much charisma that you, it's easy to overlook the amazing amount of plot holes in the movie. I mean, there's fucking aliens that are invading Earth, but they're only they're only invading farms in the middle of nowhere. Maybe they need corn. And water kills them. <laughs> water is like acid to them, regular water. But yet, they have no. They don't wear any defenses for it. Uh, they they haven't developed raincoat technology. It, it, <laughs> yeah, it was it was stupid. But like I said, the movie was so well done and acted that you didn't care about all these plot holes because Mel Gibson was great. Joaquin Phoenix was great. The music was great. You know, it, it, there's but even was a, it? There, there was, you know, some actual genuine scary parts in it. Um, but that's how well Shyamalan was able to, to put together a piece of bullshit. <laughs> right. So, but, but yeah, that's what I mean. This, if you watch signs full of plot holes, but Gibson is excellent in it, you know, that doesn't excuse the fact that it's full of plot holes. This one has a couple of plot holes, but overall, it's not a bad movie. This movie was made on a $9 million budget. Yeah. It, like I said, oh, here's the other plot hole. He abducts the people from a fucking mall. Yeah. Mall where there's mall. billions of cameras everywhere. He puts the guy in a trunk. Well, if you remember, I, yeah, I know about cameras, but- Come on. But- he had been following them for a while. It doesn't matter. He'd been following them for four months, to tell you the truth. But it doesn't matter. If you're in a mall, I don't give a shit who you are. If you're in a fucking if you're in a fucking Walmart, oh. there's cameras everywhere. They will find you at some point. But here that that's it it starts from this point. Dude was put into a trunk. Okay? Yeah. Now, in order for that to happen, there has to be no one around parking their car or getting out of their car or getting into their car. And obviously, this was a busy time of the year. It looked like it was Christmas. Possibly. And so they were out during the middle of the day during a busy time of year. Mm. Secondly, um, he, so he abducts the girls, throws the dad in the trunk in the, at, a, at a mall with their cell phones still on so they, couldn't, so they can be tracked. Yeah. They end up wherever with their cell phones still. Now wait. Now hold on a second, because maybe I missed this. Now, was, was there any record of them having their cell phones after they were kidnapped? Yeah, because they were trying to get a signal when they were in the 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 holding cell. Were they? Yeah, we can't get a signal. They were holding up their phones. Yeah, yeah. It would have, and then it, they, they would have been able to track to the last tower it pinged off of. Yeah. Okay. 
and they couldn't hear the person walking through the fucking not walking but doing the the McLean through the uh, heating duct where and she falls through yeah. nobody would come down to investigate that I, the only thing i can think is cuz it's in that all the way on the other end of the zoo or but something. there's a security guard and then when she starts talking the security guard's like who is this <laughs> like the security guard wouldn't fucking why why are you on my hey i need help i'm here i don't know where i'm at yeah well w- if you remember what he says he says um, he says the, the you know the McAvoy's name, and he says, "Are you messing around again, doing the voices thing again?" Right, but again, she she says, "I need help," and she starts screaming. Yeah, and then he goes, ah, "I know." And then at joking. the end of the movie, he's like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah!" Like a security <laughs> guard wouldn't go down and check anyways. Any security guard worth his salt would have gone down to talk to the dude and say, yeah. "Hey, dude, what's going on? What the fuck was that? Why why are you fucking with me?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, you. And that's Shyamalan, dude. There's there's plot holes. Yeah, you can't you you can't just dismiss this stuff. <laughs> overall, I mean, you're not supposed to dismiss this stuff, and I'm not dismissing it. But overall, because of McAvoy's ability mm-hmm. and the way that this movie turned out, it's not bad. I just have problems with plot holes. Yeah, <laughs> that are so gaping. I can fucking <laughs> I can I can fly a star destroyer through them. <laughs> You could do a somersault through them. I can fly the Death Star through them. <laughs> or Star Killer Base. Either way, I can yeah. get bigger. Yeah, and look, I <coughs> Yeah, McAvoy, I mean, he he ran the show. Absolutely. With every character. I loved his Hedwig character, you know. His Barry character was really good. But I have a problem with the Hedwig character. Why? Why is it that at one at the beginning he's walking on his He's he's hunched over yeah. and doing the squat walk, uh-huh. but afterwards he just stands straight up and he's normal, and he just starts walking normal. Maybe because he had just met them, he was timid, more timid. And then- no, but he's trying to act like a nine year old kid, right? Yeah. So he walks like he's a nine year old. He's he's like a short kid. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Hedwig is just normal height. He's just acting normal. I don't know. That's the problem I have with again minor. Issues with character flaw, uh-huh. but I'll throw that away because what if what if the voices in his head, the people that are in and living in his head, yeah. tell him it's okay, you can stand up, you know, or they're controlling him, so they they control him to stand up, yeah, right, and go from there. Yeah, no, yeah, it's possible. I don't know, but but yeah, the, this movie has this overwhelming feeling of uh, intense tension. Or intention. <laughs> Intense tension. Yes. It's just... You, Tense, in, intensity. With the musical score and, and just the scenes, this movie did a lot <laughs> of close-ups, a shitload of close-ups, to make you feel like more of the tension of these characters. Yep. Especially you know, Anya uh, Taylor-Joy, the main you know character in the movie. Yeah, um, she has weird eyes. Yeah. Yeah, she does. And, but... She has, she has uh, master control program eyes, MCP eyes. You know what she was really good at though was when she was so terrified when she would cry without whimpering uh-huh. and just you could just you know the tears are just pouring down her face. That was like really good acting, you know, like sure. it made you feel like like you, she's really fucking scared, you know. Now I when I wrote the review I said something about there's kind of a payoff with her character because of her flashbacks and stuff, but then when I I read the uh, because I felt like when she was in the police car at the end of the movie and they said that her uncle was there to get her. I was like, well, is anything going to be done about that? And then there's something I read in in, in the synopsis for the film that that her the way she acted about it was like she was going to tell, finally tell. Right. You know? 
I didn't see that. Maybe I, I missed it because I was waiting for the for the Unbreakable connection or something. But um, uh, yeah, I, I didn't notice that. Because bigger was, picture, dude. What you need to be looking for bigger picture in movies like this. Well, that's yeah, I know. I look and I'll admit that it, the fucking Unbreakable thing fucked my head up. I, so you know what? It, you don't. No, you don't. Look for you. You go to see movies to enjoy movies. Mm-hmm. For me, I try to enjoy the movies. Yeah, and then I and if. If I'm enjoying the movie, then I get pulled into a movie, but I still see the the fucking the dumb shit. Yeah, I'm like, oh my god, this is stupid or whatever. Yeah. For when I was watching Split, I didn't really notice that stuff until I started really thinking about the movie and and putting together my okay, these are the plot holes and blah blah blah. Yeah. So I mean, it's easy to pick apart a movie. It really is. It's oh this one and then it's, it's Star Wars the Force Awakens is like Star Wars Episode Four New Hope. And, it's really dumb because they use a Death Star. So what? I, I I went to enjoy that movie and see what they could do to bring to bring the franchise back into what everybody wanted. I remarked on someone's blog um, recently like about that that they 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 were complaining about oh yeah don't don't I hope the next one isn't like the last one you know when they're talking about referring to Force Awakens. I said I said all you all you fake fans are are bullshit. I see you guys. Sit there and say you want the new one to be like the originals, and then and they, they give it to you, and then they give it to you, and then you fucking complain about how it is. I yeah. said, I said the movie was like a, almost a perfect bridging of, of bringing in the old fans and and having a new generation of younger characters come in, and and have the, and then establish them, right? So you can move on. I said, look, as long as the next movie doesn't rely too much on the past films, the way that they do it, They'll, it and it's going to. To a point, yeah. But the, look, the first film, I had no problem with all the con- all the similarities because it needed that. I, you I need it, connections. Yeah, it needed that bridging. And so, I'm like, quit, just shut the fuck up yeah. and 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 just. Hey, we want you to do it like this. Okay, we'll do it like that. Oh, oh, I can't believe you did it like that. <laughs> well, well, what the fuck do you want? Yeah. Well, we don't want the prequels. Okay, well, tough shit. You got the prequels. <laughs> can't change well, it. Well, we. I don't like them. Well, you need to look at the the context. You need to look at the subtext of the prequels. Yeah, and stop complaining about Jar Jar. I just, I just watched this um this uh ten minute thing about the uh, Star Wars special editions and and it shows that all the little tweaks like there's these minor tweaks, not the big stuff, but the little teeny like blink and you miss them tweaks that that Lucas did so? for like the Blu-ray versions. Like for example, uh, when he put eyebrows on uh, Anakin, he took he, the eyebrows off. Well, no, he didn't have eyebrows. Now he did have. Now he does have eyebrows. No, he took the eyebrows off. You have them backwards. I want to. I remember. So, but and then oh, you know, just little things like that. It was. It seemed petty, but it was funny to see some of those. I could give a shit less about those stupid tweaks. They're fucking Lucas's movies. He'll do what the fuck he want. Well, not anymore. But <laughs> when when he could, he would he would adjust them. And he said to everybody, "These are my movies. Yeah, they're not your movies." You didn't direct them. You didn't pay the money. You didn't produce them. You didn't write them. You didn't do anything. You paid to watch a movie that I created. I created this entire fucking this myth, this, these movies, and I get shit for it. And then you love them, and then I create these prequels, and I get shit for it. But then you love them, sort of. Yeah. But you mostly hate them because. They're not whatever, and I'm raping your childhood, and blah 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 blah. 
and then I, I read this thing called uh, Rings. It's not the fucking movie Rings. It's the Ring Theory. The Ring Theory, and it's not. It's not just for Star Wars. And the Ring Theory works in a lot of stuff. Lucas made made this. The Star Wars Ring Theory is first, last, middle, middle. M- yeah, middle, middle, third, first. Yeah. Yeah. No, hold on a second. <laughs> One and six. Two and five. Two and five. Three and four. Three and four. Is that right? Yes, that's how it is. And these rings are concentric rings so that when you see everything that's going on in episode one of the prequels, well, that that mirrors everything that happened in Return of the Jedi. And Lucas had said back in 97, the ending of Return of the Jedi is the beginning of... Of a new hope, uh, or not? Uh, Phantom Menace. Of Phantom Menace. Yeah, and we all took that literally, saying, you know, celebrations and yada yada yada. He opens it up with the Jedi going into the the squad, the the yeah, the, yeah, the, the trade Nudian, federation, the trade ship. federation yeah. ship. And what he was basically what he was saying is is that I've I I wrote this entire series, and you guys, I'm I'm gonna fuck with your heads now because. I'm going to do it the way that I wanted to do it, and and you're not going to get it for 20 more years. And then after 20 years, you're going to go, holy fuck. Well, it's been 20 years, and somebody just came out with this holy fuck. And here's the kicker. Here's the whole kicker. Lucas put it in his script back when he released Star Wars, before it was episode four, but hmm. back when he released episode four, and when he to- when, when fucking Darth Vader looked at him and said, we meet again. The circle is now complete. Yeah. Okay? That's the fucking kicker. That's That right there tells you all you need to know about all six of those films. Now seven, eight, nine now. But what Lucas was doing was creating this whole fucking wackadoo trilogy broken. Well, it's not a trilogy. It's these six movies. Sextology. <laughs> broken up into two trilogies. And the ring theory is absolutely fucking mind-blowing. Because that's exactly what he set forth to do. Scenes, everything. I mean, if you read this, the ring, Star Wars ring theory, it's so fucking in-depth. It's crazy. And you're like, holy shit. You're absolutely right. So that's how that works. Anyways, <laughs> as, far as, as far as Split goes, I know we got off on a little tangent. <laughs> as far as Split goes, look, I mean, Shyamalan can do whatever he wants. It's his universe. It's his toys he wants to play with. The problem is is that he doesn't think about the holes. He doesn't comb over his scripts. It's like he tries to do the big stuff, and he concentrates too much on the big stuff. He forgets about the little things. Yeah, that's exactly... Fuck, I should have put that in the review. That's exactly the problem with most <laughs> most of today's movies. Yeah. You know, since the since the age of the blockbuster. But I will say that it's really cool that he decided to make... A connection to Unbreakable, right? Because I never, I wondered if they were ever going to do some another Unbreakable, you know? Because, like I said, I, I that's one of my favorite, you know, Shyamalan movies. Well, we'll see. So, um, there, I mean, there are rumors that he was going to do Unbreakable too, and then this movie comes out, and you don't expect it to be a connection, yeah. And then you know he's calling himself the Horde and whatever else, yeah. And and so the rumors are true. He is going to do another. Yeah, they've already know. authorized uh, that they're going to be doing a, an Unbreakable sequel, which is also going to be a split sequel, uh, because from what I understand is that it's going to be another. It's going to be a standalone film, 
but it's going to bring together McAvoy's character and Willis's character in, in one way or another. Great. So. So we get to see Bruce Willis phone it in. It'll be unsplittable. Cool. <laughs> Split breakable. I'd say unsplittable would work better. But yeah. So yeah, I mean, look, I. I know that now the hype's going to be built up. He says he's got a really cool idea for it, so I I, I hope he's right. So, um, I gave this movie a a seven point five out of ten. Really? Yeah. This is to me. This is a three star movie. This is okay. Be, you know, like you're right. There is problems with it. Um, they don't go into enough detail about the Kevin character. Um, you know, Kevin. Uh, was it Kevin? Fucking Wendell Crumb. Yeah. You don't really know anything about him except that his father died on a train, which the rumor is is that the train that Bruce Willis survived on at the beginning of Unbreakable uh-huh. was the train that, that his father died, that Kevin's father died on. Okay. There's that a rumor. but And so that's how they're connected in one way or another. But, um, yeah, I got little problems with the movie, of course. But <coughs> McAvoy's performance is so goddamn good, and, and the movie's watchable the entire time. And I love, of course, I love the Unbreakable Connection. So, yeah, seven, seven point five out of ten. I, you know, it was good, and I, I'm glad that that Shyamalan has uh, is getting back up to form. Okay, I gave it a six. Plot hole filled, filled form. <laughs> I gave it a six because, frankly, there's too many plot holes. Even though when we walked out of theater, you're like, I'll give it a seven. Yeah, I think you thought about it. I had to readjust. I now, I'm not, I'm not adjusting about that much. Yeah, I thought it was a good movie. It's better it's, than average. Yeah, it's but. The plot holes bring it down one point. I can see that. I can see that. So, um, all right. So, as of today, Rotten Tomatoes 4 split is at 75% approval rating. Okay. We're both wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Well, because I predicted, you know, Shyamalan wasn't going to get very high. Uh, But, yeah. So, I I did a 16. You did a 32. Um, Shit. (laughs) So uh, You're closer. You win. So, yeah. I... Good movie. I, I highly recommend seeing it, especially if you're a fan of Unbreakable. Okay. All right. Next. All right. So my flick of the week is going to be the 2016 film that is on Netflix, not a Netflix original, called Cardboard Boxer. Um, it currently has a 38% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which I can kind <laughs> of understand because the movie tries to do two different things. One is it has the whole movie's Thomas Hayden Church, and he's a homeless guy. They never go into his backstory about why he's homeless, which is fine because that actually adds to the the mystery of his character and and you know and you, you feel the sympathy for him because he's he always looks sad. I mean, look at his picture on the on, right there that you can see. Like, like bump yeah, right. Well, that that that's, that's the, the guy's director. The director's name is Nate Gwaltney. Come on. So. That, and that, that's the trick of this movie, is even though it's called Cardboard Boxer, there's two plots in this film. The Cardboard Boxer thing is very small. It's a very small plot point in this film. It probably takes up a total of, let's see, it's an, the movie's an hour and a half long. Uh, I'd say that the, 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 the actual boxing part takes up maybe 20 minutes, to, pushing <sighs> it maybe 25 minutes of the entire film. It's got my fav- my non-favorite actor in there, <laughs> Terrence Howard. Yeah, Terrence Howard is... Him. He's very good, but I've heard so many asshole stories about him. It pisses me off because I'd like to see him in other things. But I mean, he, how do you fuck up Rhodey? How do you how do you piss but everyone off that you can't come back as Rhodey? Here it is. He told everybody, "This is what I want." Yeah. So fucking give it to me. Yeah, because or I, I was just nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. 
if you can give whoever look, I I don't mind you having a fucking ego and say if you can give Robert Downey Jr. this amount of money, you can give me this amount of money. But when Marvel says no, you're reading his life bio, huh? Oh, okay. Let me watch. See, I and I don't believe some of this shit either. Like Howard experienced a rocky childhood and during disciplinary beatings from his physically abusive father and even witnessing his father stabbing another man when he was just two years old and the Santa line slang. Bullshit. How many two-year-olds can remember that? I don't remember shit from being two. The killing resulted in Tyrone spending 11 months in jail for manslaughter. Really? No, see, I'm sorry. I just don't buy this. Right. He found out about it. He's like, oh, God, I remember that. <laughs> no, you didn't. So, yeah. Um... That he would have had to take a 50 to 80% pay cut and be, rep- and he said no. And I don't buy that either. I don't buy that Terrence Howard was going to take a 50 to 80% pay cut for his. To have a bigger role in part two? Yeah. Sorry. I don't buy that. Let's see. The movie made way more money than it was projected to make, and they're going to offer him 80% less right. for more screen time? Right. No. So, more like he came in and said, I'm Terrence fucking Howard. Pay me. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck you. We're Disney. We'll just replace you with a better actor, Don Cheadle. And more people like him anyway. He answered a call-in question on Bravo's late-night chat show and dished some surprisingly candid dirt. It turns out that the person I helped become Iron Man when it was time for to re-up for the second one, he took the money that was supposed to go to me and pushed me out. Really? Really, Robert Downey Jr. took the money that was supposed to go to you and pushed you out so that they could have Don Cheadle, who is a better actor, more accomplished, a nicer guy? Yeah. The word was you wanted the same amount of money. We did a three-picture deal. Fuck off. All right. Now, I'm doing a review for for Cardboard Boxer. All right? So this is quit sidetracking me. We will pay you one-eighth of what we contractually had for you because we think the second one will be successful with or without you. Bullshit. Bullshit. He sounds like a bitter bitch, but I don't know. Anyway. <sighs> so Cardboard Boxer is about Thomas Hayden Church's character being homeless with no backstory, and he lives in a cardboard box, of course. Yeah, bum fights. Right? And he he tries to make a couple of friends, but most people want nothing to do with him. Uh, he comes across a burnt-down building, and in the burnt-down building, he finds a, a diary that's only partially burnt, and he starts reading it. And it's from a little girl who... Uh, whose parents died, and now she's being watched by her abusive uncle. And the movie goes along where he's reading her story um, when he's by himself, and it does a voiceover of the little girl reading it. And he builds this connection to her, even though he's never met her, but he, he starts to become friends with her in his own mind. And and he it, it, it's something that he uses to keep going. And when the movie does things where it, it deals with him and the little girl's diary and her story, that's when the movie works. Uh, but it tr- ends up becoming more grandiose. It tries to be bigger than it is when it comes to the o- emotional impact of, of the story with him and the little girl. Um, and there is a payoff for it, which isn't bad. The movie ends on a, on a good note, so I'll give it that. But um, the other plot point that it has is the cardboard boxer itself where he's just chilling on the street one day at nighttime, like one day at nighttime, 
<laughs> one night. Right. And these white boys, it. these these rich white boys roll up in, in like Escalades or whatever. And they're like, hey, hey, you want 50 bucks to, to fight another bum? And, you know, Thomas Hayden Church says, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And and he has no problem doing it. So they end up put, pin him against some other homeless guy who can't fight for shit. And Hayden Church beats the shit out of him, you know. And then because the, the, the guy, you know, the one of the, the, the leader white boys is is praising him and calls him his friend, Thomas Hayden Church thinks that he's his friend. But he's not. The guy didn't give a shit about him, right? So anyway, every few days the guy the white boys come back and they and they try to um, you know, start an, up another fight. And and Hayden Church, you know, he's willing to do it every time. Well, uh Terrence Howard's character, who's a taxi driver who drives through the neighborhood every once in a while and tries to help the homeless people out when he has a chance. Um, he gets wind of this and he goes there and he he tells uh Hayden Church, You need to fucking stop this shit. And if I see those white boys, I'm going to fucking kill them, right? So, you know, in Hayden Church, you know, he's like, oh, they're my friends. You're going to leave my friends alone, blah, blah, blah. Well, what eventually ends up happening is Church finally figures out that these guys aren't his friends. And then he turns the tables on them, you know, when when an incident happens where someone gets, you know, hurt really bad or, or killed, you know, another homeless person. Um the fact that they call the movie cardboard boxer is misleading because that's not what the premise of the movie, the purpose of the movie is. It's, it's more about his loneliness and him trying to connect with other people. There's this, uh, uh, Iraqi veteran who, um, Iraq war veteran who's, you know, can't use his legs anymore played by Boyd Holbrook, who, um, his name, the character's name is Pinky. And he's very bitter on life because he, you know, he admits later on in the movie that he ended up having to shoot a girl under orders who was um, unarmed and stuff. And he it really fucking ate at him and he, he's bitter on himself and he can't deal with shit. So he's, he pushes everybody away, right? You know, puts up his walls and, and, but, but church still wants to be his friend, you know, and everything. And, and, and things happen with that relationship. Hayden church is what keeps this movie together. Um, the sadness in his face and the, the, the innocence of his actions, um, keeps propelling the story forward. And that's why it's worth seeing. Uh, the 38%, um, I think it's because critics were, were expecting more from this. But in my opinion, on Thomas Hayden Church's performance alone, it's worth seeing because he's a very sad character who he makes you care about him. And that's why I think Cardboard Boxer is, uh, is worth seeing. So there it is. Okay. It's on Netflix. You want to check it out. I am going to do my review on um, Extraordinary Tales. It's... Um... <clears throat> Directed by Raul Garcia, it's it's a series of five tales. Raul, with an interstitial in between. That's basically the Raven, you know, Edgar Allan Poe's Raven, uh-huh. but it's Edgar Allan Poe speaking through this Raven character to death as they they do these in between segments uh-huh. for these for for the stories. And the very first story is the fall of the House of Usher, which is very very reminiscent of. Um, the Deathly Hallows, which I said last week. Yeah, the uh, enemy style. Yeah, which was narrated by Christopher Lee. There's, they, they do voices and stuff like that, but Christopher Lee does the narration. Then it goes on to the Telltale Heart. Now, this one is not my favorite one because the animation seems to be very basic. Uh-huh. Uh, it's like, it's like they were doing an animation test, and it's uh, it's, it's pre-viz animatics is what they call it. Uh, choppy. It's not choppy. It's pre-viz animatics where 
it's basic basic shapes. They still have the shapes of the people, but the movement is just all, you know, in one dimension, not three dimensions. Storyboardy. Yeah, thank huh. you. Yeah. Storyboard animatics. And it's still a good tale because they do a Sin City style of art on it, which is black and white, but they have some color splashes, mostly red. Yeah. But it's narrated by Bella Lugosi, which they had found a recording of him doing the Telltale Heart, so they put it in with this with this story, and it, it's amazing. Yeah, that's you can, what you can makes hear it amazing. the old recording sounds. Yeah, and then they then the next one is the facts in the case of M. Valdemar, which is narrated by Julian Sands, and that I, the last two the I'm sorry yeah the last three of them because you have the pit and the pendulum and then you have the mask of the Red Death, and the mask of the Red Death isn't narrated, but there is but Roger Corman provides a voice. And each one of those three has different styles of animation. Um, the facts in the case of M. Valdemar, if you remember Creepshow, where it transitioned from the the comic page to the film. Yeah. And you have that one instance where it's kind of like comic-y film. Yeah. You know, at, that transition. Well, that's what the facts in the case of M. Valdemar is kind of like. Okay. You know, it's like that. It's like those those transition pages from Creepshow and Creepshow 2. Where's my cake, you bitch? Yeah. And <laughs> it works. It works really well. It's and it's very you know, it's very comic booky the way that they have the art and it's all hashed out. And hashing means, you know, instead of using regular uh shadows, they they do a hash. They 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 scratch the pen across it so it's like these slashes. Yeah, and I, I've always disliked that kind of art, but you know, for me, when you use that traditional art, it actually it works in these cases. Yeah, I don't care for that style. I don't care for the comic style of hashing this this inking hashing thing. I always thought that if you're gonna if you're gonna draw something, <coughs> if you're gonna here we go, if you're gonna draw something, then it should be more true to life than anything else i've always disliked that hashy and i'm I'm trying to bring up see like if you look at this there's a picture i'm showing it's a it's a picture of a skeleton it's very creep show looking yeah and you, do you see the how the art is all set up it's but if you look at like comic book style art here's that girl here's here's a picture of here here's the animation right here okay if you look at this animated cell and see how it is. Yeah, it's it's like I said, it's very creep showy. Well, do you see these lines right here by his face? Yeah, that's called hashing, and it's supposed to show age or lines or whatever else. Yeah. I've never been a big fan of that because I don't think that it actually tells a proper. Let's see, I like that style better. Yeah, <clears throat> it it tells it it gives a proper um, look to the art because it's you can just I mean the, the hashes are just. For me, they're excuses to make it look like it's used or whatever. And yeah. some people just go way overboard. I like the more traditional style of art where if you're going to do if you're going to do shadows on people's faces, do shadows on people's faces, you know, and block it properly. And then you have ones that like I'll show you, like Bernie Wrightson, where you know, just do that. That's more like Bernie Wrightson's art takes it to the extreme. Here's a piece right here. This the piece that we're looking at is called Master of Horror, a tribute birthday to Bernie Wrightson, art by Bernie Wrightson. 
<laughs> this entire piece was done with single line art. So it, every piece that you see, every every inch of this piece of work for Frankenstein yeah. is done in a hash style. That's not so he drew it, but he went through and did the line thing. Yeah. So that all every single piece of art that you see and that I'm showing you right now, yeah, and the way that he did it is done in a in a. God. He just hashed it. That I mean, that looks like it would take forever to do. Yeah, it did, but it's amazing the way he did it. I'd love to see a full blown animation done in that way. I'm trying to find a bigger picture, so I can show you the the. Uh, the art in and of itself. But I have to log in. Fuck you, Pinterest. Anyways. <laughs> so for for me, when it comes down to that type of art and in, in the way that the, the way that it's set up. Yeah. I, I enjoy it. I, I love art. I truly do love art. But for me, the way that like there's Texas Chainsaw. See, oh, that's very case. similar. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Swamp, Swamp thing. thing. Yep. He's an amazing artist, dude. He there it is. Do you see that? Do you see all the lines? Yeah. That's all it is. It's just lines. Hmm. <coughs> Not there's there's very little actual, you know, outline like he drew the hand. No, that's all hashed lines. That's just shadow, light and shadow. That's all it is. It's amazing. Yeah. And you're right. It would be fucking incredible to see a a piece of animation like that. It'll take forever though. Oh no, you can actually do it. See? You see the the clouds. Yeah. So, and then that piece right there. You see, if you look, I'm showing him a Frankenstein piece. Well, he didn't like that picture because the body is way off uh, proportion. Okay. So <laughs> that's that's actually from the uh, there's an extras book for Frankenstein. But <clears throat> as far as these these shorts are as they're done. Julian Sands, by far the case, the facts in the case of M. Valdemar is probably the best of them because Julian Sands brings about this creepy character. Okay. This voice that doesn't sound like Julian Sands' voice. <coughs> Christopher Lee just does his voice. Does He reads it. But he, he does it in such a, a way that is amazing. Bella Lugosi, obviously, because... He's been dead for a long, long time, and this is a recording from 1936. This yeah. is what we get. And then you have The Pit and the Pendulum, and then you have The Mask of the Red Death. Well, the last two are okay. Um, it's just that I don't think any – there are – The Fall of the House of the Usher and the facts in the case of M. Valdemar are two of the best of these five. Um, the Mask of the Red Death has a weird animation style to it. I don't know if it was done like 3D and art. You know, or if it was, I don't know how they did it. Yeah, and it's it's very intriguing, but it it didn't interest me. It didn't keep my attention as much as the fall of the house of Usher and Usher and the facts in the case of M. Valdemar. Um, overall, I give this a six. Okay, it could be so much better, but I think that when you have when you have a director that has that wants to do different things, it's difficult to keep everything going in a in a, in a direction that you want it to go in the um the uh rights and uh drawings that you just showed me mm -hmm. um do you think that uh bob ross would be a similar no. type style no no because he bob I see ross him, he does the shading you know the color shading you know bob ross is a painter dude well i know 
Like, like a painter's style of it. So I'm showing him the trailer, and, and this I didn't see this in the in the movie. That was in the movie. So so you have different like one was a watercolor. See, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. See, that's one. Uh, I, that's why I like like say the Animatrix because uh, the Animatrix has like eight different animation styles in there to tell all these different tales inside the Matrix. It was really cool. I think that's a Pit and the Pendulum right there, but I can't tell. Like that right there. That is, uh, that's the second one. Uh-huh. Um, the Telltale Heart, which is the black and white one. I mean, you can see how well done that is with the, with, that's all computer graphics. And that's, this right here is what I'm talking about, the fall of the House of Usher with these weird, I don't know if it's puppets or if that's animation. Yeah. You know, and it was really well done. It's amazing. And then that's, that's what I'm talking about with the second piece right here the next black and white picture you can see these characters this is the you know the telltale heart yeah it, it just is it doesn't look right it looks like um the scanner darkly type animation where it's real footage and then they they animate no, that's over animation it. that's not real that's all animation see and then that's more the second this this picture that we're looking at is like a mobius type style art this french the french artist mobius that's what that looks like <clears throat> But, I mean, all in all, it, see, like that, that's weird. It's it's watercolor, but it's not watercolor. You can tell it's not real. Yeah. It's not people acting it out because the hand on the sword is wrong. Like when somebody's holding a, like that, like when you're holding a cup like this, you see how the fingers are all together? Yeah. Well, when they're showing you, when, when they're showing people holding cups and whatnot, <laughs> they don't show the fingers properly in, it, in, in a lot of the... Uh, uh, computer animated stuff. Yeah. So, but again, it's it's amazing. See, that's the Julian. That's like Vincent Price. Yeah, but it was Julian Sands. See, and this reminds me of a Ralph Bakshi thing. Yeah. The the just the art. I I believe this is um like an homage. This may be the Pit and the Pendulum. No, that's I'm sorry. This that the full on CG one was the Pit and the Pendulum. This, the other one was. This one was the one that was narrated by Guillermo del Toro, I believe. Anyways, long story short is I give it a six. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, it's it's okay. It's probably not even a six. If they had done an animated version like they did with the House Fall of the House of Usher, if they had animated it like that all the way through, I think it would have been so much better. Yeah. But they went with different styles, and that's and, and you got to try it out. You got to do different things to see what works and uh, you know the soundtrack is yeah the, it's 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 up and down so all right extraordinary tales yep all right so a couple news things um that i noticed uh one was uh world war z the sequel for it uh it was scheduled to be released in june of this year but they hadn't even started filming it yet production hadn't started and so paramount just announced that it's canceled Without a news on a on a release date, and apparently uh, it's because their uh, their chief head, who's named uh, Brad Gray, uh huh, um, uh-huh. doesn't want to greenlight the project yet. So uh, David Fincher has been trying to get involved so that he can direct the sequel, but it looks like this might not be happening for at least another couple years. And I that look, I'm not there behind the scenes, so I don't know what's all going on. But I'm telling you what, dude. You make a movie that had all these production problems 
out of all these production problems, and it still becomes the highest grossing zombie film of all time so far. It made $540 million worldwide. Yeah, but okay. it's, it's a garbage movie, dude. It wasn't bad. We both it, we both enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah, but you can't call it World... Look, I read the book. Yeah, I did too. And you can't call it World War Z because it's not. Look, look, I, and I already said that... It's snot. This movie was way better than it should have been for how far it deviates from the original you know, storyline of, of the book, okay? But it still was an entertaining enough film to watch. So what I'm trying to say, though, is this movie made so much fucking money... What is the problem with getting the sequel done? Money. Why do they keep stepping on you? Well, here's the thing. Skydance Studios, which is, I believe is run by Brad Pitt, they're, they're putting up a bunch of money to help with it so that Paramount doesn't step out. So what's the fucking problem? Money. <laughs> so anyway. It's always money, dude. I mean, That's what it comes right down to. It's always fucking money. Movie made way more than they it thought it It doesn't matter what, the, what it made. It, it matters what the fucking books show. So what? It made $540 million. It was a $200 million movie. Double that on, on marketing. It's a $400 million movie. So, I mean, look, the movie made way more money than it was expected. You think that they would be trying to push to get to get another one made, and for some reason or another, it keeps falling into uh, development hell. So well, we won't be seeing the World War Z sequel for a long time. Uh, another thing is uh, we saw, I saw the, uh, the Iron Fist trailer, the full trailer now. Uh, that show does look interesting. I, I still, um, it, to me, it seems like a just a different version of Daredevil, but it, I mean, it still looks like it's well done. Um, the Iron Fist characters is somewhat interesting, uh, but I'm gonna withhold judgment on it because I haven't been disappointed so far. You know, Luke Cage wasn't perfect, but it was still it was still good. It was worth seeing, and definitely love Jessica Jones and Daredevil, and and of course uh, Punisher. So, did you watch the new uh, full on no. Iron Fist trailer? All right. Oh yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Yes. So, um, now, your team won the fucking Super Bowl. Again. Again. Number and five. finally, I don't have to keep seeing fucking memes and posts about how they are cheaters and all this shit like oh, that. Oh, you'll see them. You'll see them. I haven't seen them yet, which is odd, because I thought I was going to see them immediately. Like, the only way they could come back from a 25-point deficit in that amount of time is if they cheated. Hold my beer. That was my. That's my favorite meme. Oh, you're down by two touchdowns. Yeah. Two 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 extra point conversions. Yeah. Two two point conversions. And a field goal. And a field goal. That's impossible. And the next picture is Tom Brady and then below that says, Hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I mean there's there is some controversy because people are saying you know, not people, but people are bringing up the fact that um there's a there was a thing that they saw on TV that says Patriots win the Super Bowl with a touchdown, right? You know, with with touch, with yeah, with a touchdown, and the context was, <clears throat> they it was tied, and they said that this happened like with three minutes left in the fucking um, regulation. Yeah, in, in the third quarter, or thirteen minutes left in the third quarter. So okay. it's all it's all a conspiracy. And then somebody said, "Well, how the fuck could it be a conspiracy? How the fuck? Why the fuck would Roger Goodell write a script for a team whose fan base fucking hates him?" Yeah. Who the team has been known to talk shit about him and have been wearing shirts and making commercials that say Roger that or Tom Brady shirt, which he has a he has a Super Bowl shirt with four rings on one finger yeah. and one ring on his middle finger on the other hand. But it's not doing the this, it's showing it's like doing the Elwood Blues thing. Okay. But it's still on the middle finger. 
so there's context. And there's another one that Matt Patricia was wearing a shirt that basically said, fuck you, Roger Goodell, right? Yeah. <clears throat> now, why would the NFL engineer something like that if all it is is just nothing but pure hatred for one, and not pure hatred, but hatred, you know, disgust with Roger Goodell Yeah. for the Patriots to win five and be down by 25 points? No. If they wanted... If they wanted to engineer a comeback, they would have made a comeback, but no, you know, you, you don't get the win type of thing, right? Yeah. Well, the Patriots did the fucking impossible. Who was that that did that fucking catch, that amazing catch? Julian Edelman. Okay, that, that catch by Edelman, you can't script that. No, you can't. And that's happened against the Patriots so many times that it was finally their due, right? Yeah. They finally get an amazing. It happened It happened two years ago with Jermaine Curse. When he did this fucking impossible catch flying down the sideline, and Malcolm Butler was there. I think it was Butler. It was either Butler or Ryan. And all he had to do was reach out and poke his hand against the ball yeah, just to knock it away. But the ball flew up in the air. Jermaine Curse is on his back. Like, the sideline is literally half an inch away from him. Yeah. He's not out of bounds, and he catches the ball. David Tyree. And all these other motherfuckers that have made these incredible catches against the Patriots. Now, the Patriots won the Super Bowl where Curse made that amazing catch. <laughs> but, again, there have been some just amazing, amazing plays against the Patriots. They get their own. They finally get one. Yeah. And they go down to score and tie it up. What was your reaction when uh, when they— What do you think my reaction was? I, I don't know. I went I'm... fucking completely nuts. Did you? All right, because well, I don't know. I've never watched a game with you, so I don't know. Yeah, we were sitting there, and it was 28 to nothing. I'm like, fuck, you know, it was 28 to 3. They were down yeah. 25 points. I'm like, this game is over. It's a fucking blowout. Yeah. It's going to be 41 to 10. You know, I'm just going to sit here and enjoy it. Happy for the Atlanta Falcons, yeah. right? Wanted the Patriots to win. And then we're getting down to it, and the fucking Patriots, they're, tw- they're 25 points down, and they get a fucking score. Yeah, now, the the, now the, they're 19 points down. That they, they get a score at the end of the third quarter, yeah. and they're 19 points down. And I looked at everybody and I said, "Okay, here's the deal: they could actually win this game." And everybody's like, "What?" I said, "They could win this game if they need two scores and a field goal." Yeah, and you can do that in 15 minutes. Yeah, it's impo- it's it's damn near impossible. Yeah, you got to have the other team go three and out every time. But all they and then they scored again. They they. Got the fumble. Uh-huh. They score again, and now it's now it's twenty to twenty-eight. I'm like, okay, they can do this, but they just have they have to get a touchdown. They either get have to get two touchdowns or a touchdown extra point. Or I'm sorry, because they missed the extra point. Yeah, a touchdown, a two point conversion, and a field goal. Yeah, they replayed it. You can hear the <laughs> dong. Yeah, <laughs> and this is this is like seven minutes. They were down nineteen points. Seven minutes left. Yeah. And they score 19 points in seven minutes. Yeah. They've, they scored 19 plus six is 25 plus six is 31. They scored 31 points in less than 10 minutes. I think about 10 to 10 to 12 minutes. They scored 31 points in 12 minutes. That consists of the third quarter and what was left of the fourth quarter. Yeah. And then, of course, they go on and win in overtime. Fucking Brady, 466 yards passing. Most passing yards, most passing attempts, most passing completions. Fucking, and then, of course, the first overtime ever in a fucking Super Bowl. Yeah. And my mother had said it at the beginning of the game. These guys, because Atlanta was just fucking all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. And she goes, 
You just watch. The Patriots will score. If they win or lose, it doesn't matter. If they lose the game, it's not that big of a deal. But by the fourth quarter, these guys, these Atlanta Falcons guys, yeah. are going to be done. They're going to be gasping it's like for the breath. the young boxer against the experienced boxer. Well, sort of. There's two different they there's two different ways that they train. The Patriots up until the week before the Super Bowl, there's two hills behind behind Foxborough and they have yard markers on them. And one's a very steep hill and one's a gradual hill. And they make them run the hills. If there's fights at practice, you run the hill. All practice. You don't get the practice, you get to run the hill. And that's that. They were doing they were running the hills and they've been doing it all year. So they're, you know, your week 23 or week whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, week 23. And this is what Martellus Bennett said. You're having us run the hills and it's week 23. And they're like, yeah, that's what we do. Okay. I'm just, you know, he was just asking. He's yeah. like, I've, I've no other team that I've been in is Chicago Bears or whatever else. It's discipline. It also builds up endurance and it gets you in shape really fast. Well, and then also it's just like when you put extra weight on your baseball bat when you're just practicing. You, you do it so many times that when you're doing it for regular – it's not as strenuous, and you just—it's it's a mental thing. Yes and no, no. One one prepares you for the long term. The other one just helps you bat better. The, if your you're running up and down stupid. constantly up a fucking hill, and then you have to run on a field, guess which one's harder? I I understand what you're saying, but it's not about it's that's not that's not what it's about. It's about building up your endurance and being able to last an entire game without gasping for breath, yeah. unlike what the Falcons did. That's why. That's why people, players that play at at Mile High Stadium, they hate it because they the can't catch center. their breath. Yeah. Now, teams that are prepared for it, people like Jerry Rice. That's why Jerry Rice was so good at what he did for so long. Yeah. There's a hill in San Francisco, uh, Mount Tamalpais. I think that's what it is. But there's a hill in San Francisco, and he would he would bring people from other teams to run this hill. And one of them was Deion Sanders. When when him when Deion Sanders first joined the team, Jerry Rice said, "We run the hill every day." <laughs> and Deion's like, "Oh, I can fucking I'll, I cannot run all of you." Yeah. And Jerry Rice is like, "Go for it, brother." So he's trucking on up the hill, and here comes Deion Sanders, just hauling ass. Right, I'm gonna beat you all. Blah blah blah. Here comes Jerry Rice running up the hill, and there's Deion Sanders, pretty much puking, <laughs> you know, out of breath. And Jerry's Jerry's like, I told you, it's not as easy as it looks, but yet you don't want to listen. So once you start listening to me and you start training properly, mm-hmm. you're gonna be a better player. And and that that's what happens. And that just got out there. And he would actually have people come from different teams to train with him during the off season. Yeah. And he set up this whole training regimen. And that was one of them. Run the fucking hill. And that's why he was so good for so long. And and the Patriots have taken that to the next step. So I brought up the Super Bowl for two reasons. One was so you could brag about your team, which you have, yep. <laughs> and uh, the greatest dynasties of all time. I, I give them the props on that. Uh, the other thing was there was some cool trailers that that showed up during the Super Bowl. I ain't gonna go into the commercials. Fuck the commercials. I just, don't care just, about the commercials. Just, commercials suck. Just the trailers. But well, the Melissa McCarthy one was funnier and shit. But other than that, um, the uh, the Stranger Things season two. Yeah, that looked pretty cool. That looked pretty fucking cool. Uh, I like the Ghostbuster outfits that yep. they were wearing. Um, the uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean, that looks fucking good. Yeah, it really did with the with the Johnny Cash song. Yeah, see now that's a song that I don't mind listening to, in its proper context. Yeah, and see my only problem though is that I can see this trend where they're gonna start putting Johnny Cash in fucking everything, and I, I don't want them to. 
They're going to, but deal with it. Just like the Logan trailer and shit. Anyway, uh, that looks really cool. The Guardians of the Galaxy uh, <laughs> trailer. At the end, we're... Uh, Look what, out! Yeah. What's her name? Nebula. Mantis. No, Mantis. I'm yeah. sorry. You're right. Man. Yeah, Mantis yeah. gets hit with the fucking... Meteor with the boulder or whatever. Or whatever. The fucking flaming boulder. Yeah. And then he's like, look out! I tried. Yep. <laughs> but what what bugged me about those, like they have the, the trailers and stuff like that, uh-huh. see, see the extended version online. Yeah. Fuck you. I am not going to go see the extended... Just show me what you have. They can't. Well, they could, but I understand why they didn't. Because it's like, what is it, like 3.7 million for every 30 seconds? It doesn't matter. You're going to spend that money anyways. You already spent that money. I get it. I, Whatever. It, it is what it is. You right. spent the fucking money as it is. You spent enough money that you spent two, let's see, two, six, twelve, ten million dollars yeah. to show a spot for Guardians of the Galaxy or Stranger Things 2 and this and that, right? Mm-hmm. You spent that money. So why didn't you just wait till the second half to show the, the fucking trailers when it would have cost you less money? What I always do is I um I tape the pregame too, so that because I have a feeling that a lot of trailers they don't want to spend as much money on, they'll they'll show up and sometimes and they do. Sometimes they do, but mostly they didn't. I like the Logan trailer; that was really good. Yeah. So we got some cool looking movies. You look this pirate just based on the trailers alone. This pirates movie looks way better than the one that's gonna be, that from one from five years ago. Sure. That movie fucking was horrible. Hey, no Jack Sparrow. Yeah, none of the trailers show Jack Sparrow. Yeah, they did at the end. He was all muddy. Oh yeah, that's right. That was it, though. That, yeah. that, that's all they showed. The rum thing. Yeah. And you know what? Pirates of the Caribbean is better when you don't overdo Jack Sparrow. Right. Like when they, you know, overmade her Cars Part 2. Okay. <laughs> so um, so the next movie that we will be talking about on Cinescape Cinema Podcast. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. It's really easy. A Cinescape Movie Podcast. Thank right? you. So uh, <laughs> brought to you by a couple of our shows. <laughs> not brought to you by. Well, Stop I'm Joe, you're that. Mike, we're a couple of average Joes. Stop saying brought to you by. There's, it's not brought to you by. We're not fucking Nova. <laughs> we're, we're not a public broadcasting system. <laughs> so It's a couple of average Joes presents. So, and uh, yeah, don't forget to check out my Twitter feed. <laughs> Joe Spiegel kind of underscore it. Joe. I don't have anything to throw at you that's... <laughs> So, and the mics have, uh, is that Shut FPS up. 5150, yeah, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, the next film we will be seeing or talking about on a couple of average shows, will, <laughs> shut up, is going to be John Wick Chapter 2. All right, it's been almost three years or two and a half years. We're ready to see John Wick kick some more ass again. We love the YouTube videos, all the training. We're ready for it. All right. I just showed Joe a card I got from... TX10018. He's um he's uh, a member of the 501st. Mm-hmm. His name is Anthony Lopez and he lives here in Sacramento. And um is his middle name the Tiger? Yeah. Yeah, his name is Tony the Tiger Lopez. And he ran for mayor, you know that? <laughs> I don't fucking care. Sorry. Go. No, I didn't. I I I also didn't wave to him every day while he's running in Auburn. I didn't know he was running in Auburn. Yeah. He used, right. to, he used to run Auburn. Was a, I think it was Tony. One of the boxers, one of the professional boxes, boxers, yeah. Yeah. lived here in Auburn. Yeah, look like a boxer. And every day as I was driving to work or driving to uh, school, yeah. he would be running same yeah. the same route on Highway 49, so I just waved for him every day. <laughs>
So, anyways, this guy is part of the 501st, mm-hmm. and I met him a couple weeks ago, and I haven't said anything about it, but they build their own armor. They do a lot of good stuff for charity. So check it out. Uh, it's just check out the 501st Star Wars uh, cosplay stuff, and they have um, they have different um, garrisons. I don't know. I don't know the exact word. Anyways, uh, they have they have um, it's it's the 501st, but there's different regiments okay. of the 501st. They're all still 501st all over the world. So and they do all these charity events for kids and and whatnot. In fact, um, if you go to baseball games, Star Wars night, most of those guys are the 501st. So that's pretty cool. Anyways, right. I wanted to throw a shout out to him. He's a cool guy. I took a couple pictures of his jacket. You know, so that's it. All right. All right. All right. All right. So, for Cinescape Movie Podcast, I am Joe Spiegel. Mike Sutherland. All right, we will catch y'all again. Bye-bye. Okay. Good show. Jolly good show. Jolly good show indeed. Hakuna Matata, bitches. This is the Cinescape Movie Podcast. We thank you for listening to the show, and if you have any questions or comments, you can email us or tweet us. My handle is at Joe Spiegel underscore Joe. My handle. That's what I call it, my handle. You can tweet me at. You can send me a tweet at. You can tweet me at. You can follow me. Fuck off. All right. Yeah, follow. You can you know, follow me or tweet me at. Send a tweet to. All right. Follow. Follow would be better. You can follow me on tweet, <laughs> Twitter. You can Twitter me. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Spiegel underscore Joe. And for me, it is. At what about you? MPS 5150, because I make it easy. Yeah, you do. Well, that's the end of the show. Thank you for listening. And please remember, share the podcast. Hey, hey, hey. What is it, Joe? Yeah. You see that little button over there? Yeah? Yes. All you what do? button? The little share button. Which button is that? It says share. Sometimes it's a little arrow that goes in a circle. Regardless, it's there. Or more. So share. Share. Share that podcast. Click that shit. <laughs> it's simple. Please. We put we do put some work into this. Not a lot. Not a lot. Not as much as we should. But still, all you have to do is click the share button. Yeah. Click anything that says share. Like on our movie reviews, there's a Facebook share and a Google Plus. Pick one. We Sp- prefer Facebook, but you know. Spread the love. Help us grow. Spread the love and we will spread our legs open for you. No, we won't. I take showers. Well, what is that one? Show the balls. <laughs> Open your balls. Open your balls. <laughs> shower, yeah. Share, share the, share the show. Share the hell out of it. <laughs> share. Give her some love. I sound like little Nicky. <laughs> Have a good night. Share. This is the end. This is the end. Oh, the end, I tell you! We're all going to nibble the dust! Or go fuck yourself.